who are newer here at Hillside, our typical family, uh, plan on Sunday mornings is to unpack a passage of Scripture, and just in a couple of weeks, we'll be back into the Gospel of Matthew. But for this month, we're in more of a topical series called A Disciple's Way. And this morning, I'm going to just bracket this talk with a very familiar Scripture, uh, but no less powerful an invitation from Jesus. So just why don't, you just, why don't we pause and... Uh, Open our lives up to the words of Jesus in this moment right now. Listen to this. You can close your eyes if you want um, as I read this scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, uh, help us to hear that invitation today and to respond by your Spirit. Amen. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about the problem of hurry in our lives and how a hurried lifestyle can keep us from thriving and living the good life that Jesus calls us to. Uh, a while back I came across a story Chuck Swindoll wrote in one of his books and he, he said this, He's, he was a busy pastor, and it says, he, he confessed, I vividly remember some time back being caught in the undertow of too many commitments in too few days. It wasn't long before I was snapping at my wife and our children, choking down my food at mealtimes, and feeling irritated at those unexpected interruptions throughout the day. Before long, things at our home started reflecting the pattern of my hurry-up lifestyle. It became unbearable. I, I distinctly remember or recall after supper one evening the words of our younger daughter, Colleen. She wanted to tell me something important that had happened to her at school that day. She hurriedly began, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'll tell you really fast. <laughs> and suddenly, kind of realizing her frustration, he said, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. He says, I'll never forget her answer. Then listen slowly, Daddy. <laughs> I, I've been there, so been there, <laughs> like yesterday. And, and maybe uh, you can relate in your life too. And so we're going to talk about hurry. In fact, in January of 2020, we did an entire series called Unhurried where we tried to address this problem in our lives. And we wrapped up that series literally on the Sunday that we went into lockdown as a province and as a world. And it was like God was putting an exclamation mark on that series of talks, like, slow down, people, I've been telling you to. And we did. And so we're going to revisit this whole theme just today and next Sunday. But I've sensed that this is a theme that is God's heart for us, unhurrying ourselves, the idea of, of cultivating a slowed-down spirituality. Because we're going to need to do this if we want to follow Jesus. Because the remarkable thing about Jesus, when you read the Gospels and you look at Jesus' life, he never seemed to be in a hurry. He was never in a rush. Just one story to illustrate this. John 11. It's about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Now, aside from the, the resurrection story that would come, the most striking detail of the story is that Jesus hears about the sickness and, and, and perhaps death of his good friend, and what does Jesus do? 
It says he waits for two days instead of rushing to help. He doesn't instantly sort of dive in to save the day. And here's the thing. I've said this before, but I don't think that we can imagine a hurried, stressed out Jesus. I mean, can you imagine Jesus in traffic honking his horn, laying on it, you know? I, I, I don't think so. Jesus, in story after story, we read of him, he was unhurried, and he was present to the moment, present to people, present to the world around him. He even slept in a storm where the disciples are scrambling. And what is Jesus doing? He's in the back of the boat at peace and at rest. And so I'd suggest that one implication of seeking to live as a Jesus apprentice is to somehow match our pace of life to the pace of Jesus. That somehow our lives wouldn't be marked by rushing and hurry. And I would say this this morning, the good news is, is that Jesus does not call us to such a life. Uh, the problem, though, is that hurry is just the norm in our day. I, I was thinking about this, that if my life was an American football game, or maybe a European football game, or game, South American, when you get a penalty in football, what does the ref do? It, it depends where you came from. You throw a flag or you raise a card, right? And, and I'm just guessing, I'm not alone when I, I say that a, a living a hurried or frazzled or sometimes even frantic life has been the most often called penalty in my life. I've been flagged or carded many times for my impatience, my inability to wait, for my out-of-control pace at times. Anyone else? Would you be flagged out for that? I suspect there's probably been nothing in my life that has made me miss more moments or, or pass by more opportunities to, to make an impact or a difference in someone else's life. There's been probably nothing that invites more unnecessary stress into my life than this thing that has now been clinically diagnosed as hurry sickness. That's right, it's a thing, hurry sickness, a real disease. Let me uh, throw some symptoms out there to see if you might actually grapple with this too. Are, are you often grappling with just kind of this ongoing worry or stress? Um, are you irritable with the people that you live with or work with? Uh, do you often uh, behave like everything is urgent? Um, are, are you always available to respond to every call immediately or to every text alert? Do you kind of get the shakes when you think about living without your cell phone for a few hours? Anybody? Uh, or or you, 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 my smartphone, actually, my smartwatch broke this week. What a gift that's been. The only problem is I just have no idea what time it is. <laughs> Do you hate wasting time? Do you, do you sometimes find it hard to relax or to rest? How about, how do you do in traffic, right? This is a good test. I think we get to can sort of like monitor how we're doing in this area just on a weekly basis because most of us drive. How are you doing when the lines are long and the traffic is heavy and uh, the lights aren't going in your favor? Or uh, waiting in airport security and again, the famous, the grocery store lineups. Are you doing the calculations as to who has the fullest carts and which line? I mean, some of us, to save moments, instance, we're actually doing some serious uh, measuring of grocery store lines. Interesting, Angel and I uh, had the privilege of speaking a 
few weeks ago at Barnabas Family Ministries over on Keats Island. And as we were sharing to the families that had come there, we were talking about this whole theme of hurrying and unhurrying. And uh, we reviewed the hurry sickness symptoms offered by Ruth uh, Haley Barton. We did this in our first message back in 2020. So January 18th, if you want to go back and listen to that, we unpack it a little bit more. But symptoms, we reviewed these symptoms like irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, compulsive overworking, emotional numbness, escapist behaviors, no time to attend to basic human needs, slippage in spiritual practices, just to name a few. We invited the participants to do some reflection, and, and we gave them a handout and asked them to kind of score themselves on this and see how, how these may have applied to them. And after the talk that morning, this, this intense guy comes up to me, and he's a doctor, and he says to me, can we talk? He, he and his wife had reviewed these symptoms, and he said, I'm a high achiever. I got 10 out of 10. Like, <laughs> like I, I scored well. But he went on to describe kind of what he saw as the problem of his life and, and how hurry and busyness was just how he lived and, and how it was hurting his marriage and hurting his family and hurting his very soul, hurting his health. And, and Ruth Haley Barton would say that even if we have a, just a few of those symptoms, it's likely that we're pushing up against our human limits. And, and I, I would suggest many of us, I think, struggle with hurry sickness. It's like the disease of our day. And, and no one seems to argue with the fact that just the world has sped up and it's kind of carried us along with it. Listen to this. It's a, the word that that God gives his people through the prophet Jeremiah and Jeremiah 2. We read in the message version, slow down, take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? But you say, I can't help it. I'm addicted to alien gods. I can't quit. What a confession. What a line. I'm addicted to alien gods. I can't slow down. I've had conversations like I had with that doctor where it's like they were the very, confessing the very same thing. I don't know how to stop. What would I do to change this? But from that scripture and from others, it's really clear to me that healing our hurry sickness is something that is God's heart for you. And it's God's heart for me. He's saying, slow down. Your hurried life is is tearing you up. It's wearing you out. It's stealing your life right out from under you. And, and I want to spend the rest of this morning asking honestly, what does hurry rob of us? What might be some of the costs of a hurried lifestyle? Because I think if we actually don't ponder on this and think of this as a problem, I, I actually don't think we'll actually put the work in to actually find the solution and, and the antidote for this. Let me throw, you, throw at you just a few costs of hurry, and then we'll do a deeper dive on a couple. First, a lot of research suggests that hurried people are far less likely to help someone in trouble. You know, I, I grew up hearing about the Good Samaritan story, you know, and uh, so I feel guilty driving by anybody who's got a car in trouble on the road. But I'll tell you what, when I have margin in my life, I can tell you I am far more likely to stop 
and to help than if I'm in a hurry rushing to get somewhere. I find myself so, so relating to those priests. The, the, the story that Jesus tells was of the, the, the guy who'd been beaten and left bloody on the road and how the priests and the Levites, the religious people, actually walked on by and did nothing to help. And I, and I thought, I far too often resemble that when I'm hurried. Uh, secondly, it's hard to see beauty in a hurry. Do you remember that old line? Like, stop and smell the roses. It's kind of goofy. I actually hate it. But it's actually so true, right? Like, <laughs> there's this, to see the beauty around us, to see the world and, and uh, not just nature, I, I think we can often miss the beauty of nature because we're in a hurry, but I think sometimes we actually miss the beauty in other people. The, we miss seeing the image of God and the people around us. I wonder how much beauty we miss because we're racing on by. Um, Hard to love people when you're in a hurry. I've quoted this many, many times. Eugene Peterson put it this way. He says, busy people rarely give themselves to the people they love. Do you have that quote there, Terry? Busy people. Keep going. One more. There we are. Rarely give themselves to the people they love. I wonder if you've ever heard of that um, Sickness, they call it, it's just been coined, sundowner sickness. You know, it's kind of what happens at sundown when you give your best to your work or your school, but the people you live close to or are close to or live with kind of get leftovers in your life. Anybody resemble that? I know that very well. How busyness, I, I think busyness just squeezes out our capacity to love. As I said again, it's, it's harder for us to see what God might be doing in them and and the wonders that are there around us. Uh, next, hard to stay in tune to your identity and calling. You know, when I get hurried, I find um, it's easy to squeeze out time with God in quiet and solitude, where I, because I think the primary thing God gives me in those times of quiet and solitude is God affirms me. <laughs> it reminds me that I'm his child and I'm loved and affirmed. And what I do instead is if I haven't received that, if I'm so busy, I kind of rush around. I begin looking for that approval from others. It's like I carry this approval cup around. I'm saying, like me, like me, like me. Um, not long back, a friend confessed to me why he gets so busy. And he says, part of it, it feels like he was trying to validate his existence, both to himself and to other people. By, by the way, I think it could be so helpful to us to ask the question, why am I hurried? What is it that drives me? If you're busy a lot, ask what that's about. What is underneath that? What's driving me? Is, is it a good thing? Because I think Jesus, again, wants to call us back to our calling and our identity. And one of the things we see with Jesus, when Jesus went off to have those times with the Father, those lonely places to pray, he came back, and it seemed like Jesus had an increased capacity to say no to good things. One time he comes back from praying, and uh, he's, the, the guys are saying, Lord, everyone's asking about you. Everyone wants more of what you've been doing. It's like you think that's a great success. And what does Jesus say? Yeah, we got to go somewhere else. And in the next, very next breath, he says to them, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. Right? Jesus was so grounded in his identity of being the son of the father, and he knew what he was about, that he could actually say no to good things. And I'm going to say this. 
If you want to unhurry yourself, it's gonna, you're going to have to learn how to say no to good things so that you can say yes to better things. Amen? But, I, man, this, it's, it's, easy to, it's easier to say no to obviously bad things. It's harder to say no to obviously good things. Right? So that's, that's kind of a muscle we're going to have to, to learn and grow in. Two more things I'm going to suggest Hurry robs us of, of, and I'm going to dive a little deeper into these. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, how it is just so hard to do relationships in a hurry. This summer I heard a profound talk by Liz Bonanan, a writer and entrepreneur, and she has a, a podcast where she regularly interviews celebrities, people like um, Matthew McConaughey and Adriana Huffington, and, among others. But her specific take is not to interview these well-known, successful people on their successes and wins, but she actually specifically asks them about their mistakes, their challenges, and their rejections along the way. And over the course of her interviews over the years, she noticed a specific struggle that a lot of people have, but it's something that they don't want to talk to about. There's some reluctance because there's a lot of shame or embarrassment around this. But it's a very serious struggle. The Surgeon General of the United States issued an 80-page advisory this spring naming this as the single greatest health threat. It's apparently more dangerous to your physical health than obesity, diabetes, than smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. What's the problem? Loneliness. Loneliness. And we've all know it. We've all felt it. It's the kind of condition that arises when we don't have the the intimate and connected relationships and support systems that we need to thrive. An American study suggests that 58% of Americans surveyed confessed to being deeply lonely. On top of that, researchers suggest that 70% of people in leadership, in any kind of leadership, struggle with loneliness. Uh, Liz Bonan, and I, I believe she's a Christian, but regardless... I heard God's heart in what she said next. Some of you, I think, need to hear what she said today. She says, if you happen to be in that 58% of people who struggle with loneliness, let me say this. You are not alone in feeling alone. (laughs) You're not lonely because you are not good enough or successful enough or because you are broken. You are not unlikable or unlovable. You are not unworthy You are not difficult or annoying, well, at least not most of the time, she says, at least not more than most of us. You do not need to feel ashamed or embarrassed because your loneliness is not an accusation of your unworthiness. It is simply a signal. It's your mind and body telling you that you have a good and natural unmet need for connection, which frankly is maybe less about you and more about how we are building a culture pretty well designed to get the results we are getting. From replacing our front porches with attached garages and bigger and bigger lot sizes, to keeping our faces in our phones and on social media, relying on Uber and Instacart, we are designing, this is profound I think, we are designing a culture with the primary value of convenience and independence. And while none of these things are bad or wrong, these seemingly small actions do add up to produce 
certain results. So listen to the results. What are they? Listen to what's happened in just 10 years. In, in 2010, the average person was spending six and a half hours a week with friends. Today, it's gone down dramatically to just two hours a week with friends. And it's impacting all of us. Every single demographic is lonelier than they were 10 years ago. And if you're in any kind of leadership, it's even worse. So here's the thing. What, what's the link with hurry? Well, the science tells us that it takes somewhere between 160 hours to 200 hours to form deep and connected friendships. I wonder how many of us have that kind of time carved into our lifestyles. How many of us prioritize that kind of time? It seems that the culture we're in and the lifestyles we're living is robbing us of an essential life need, the joys of friendship and connection. Friends, it's one of the, the reasons that we emphasize relationships here at Hillside, and that's why we push on you, life groups and the Alpha course. Alpha, fantastic material, but you also make friends. And serving here at Hillside, one of the opportunities that you, you find when you serve is you're part of a team and you get to actually go alongside and do life together. It's so good. These are what I think of as like spiritual disciplines. They're like intentional weekly rhythms or every other week or something that, that pull us out of isolation and draw us into community and, and fellowship and friendship. Some of you need that kind of order in your life right now. You've been going so fast that you've actually not made time for, for some essential basic human needs, and that's relationship and community and connection. I know some of you are really good at this, and i got to tell you I want to learn more but from you because I'm pressing into this myself because it's hard to do relationships in a hurry. And so hurry, I would say, robs us of community. Final thing I'd suggest hurry steals from us is the capacity to experience a spiritual life or a life with God, to be present to him as he is indeed present to us. Um, for a long time here at Hillside, I, I've been quoting this famous conversation between John Ortberg and his mentor, Dallas Willard, the famous philosopher and Christian thinker. And Ortberg was experiencing burnout, and uh, he asked Dallas for advice. And this is how Dallas responded to kind of burned out John. He said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And, and Ortberg, a pastor, he's like, this is good stuff. What, what else? <laughs> And, and Dallas Willard says, there is nothing else. He says, there is nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Wow. Yeah, I got to confess, there was a time in my Christian life, probably my time as a pastor, where I probably considered hurry to be a virtue. In fact, a, a friend and pastor of mine confessed to me this week, said that the shadow mission of his church is, we're a busy church. For busy people. Ouch. And Hillside in the past has resembled that. We're trying, again, we're trying to get off the addiction to speed here as a community here at Hillside too. But here Dallas Willard saying you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry because it's the great enemy of spiritual life. A theologian, Ronald Rollheiser, uh, had this comment about our day and our culture. He said, today, 
a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. He says, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion, pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. And so we wonder why our children and our youth and our adults are struggling to stay connected to the Christian faith. Well, in Rollheiser's words, we're distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Tell me what you really think, Ronald. (laughs) So if ever there was a need in our day, it's a need for a a slowed-down, Jesus-resembling spirituality where we can learn like Jesus, to be present to the moment, present to, to people, and, and I'd say present to God, because that's where we find God. Where do you find God mostly? It's in the moment. Most of us are living in yesterday or living in the future. <laughs> we're, we're regretting or worrying. It's like we have those kind of two, but in the moment is where we actually meet God. Brother Lawrence called this way of life the practice of the presence of God, <laughs> He called it a practice, I think, because it takes practice, by the way. (laughs) John Mark Comer, I love what he says. He says, all the best stuff is in the present, the now. He says, all the great wisdom traditions of history, religious and secular, Eastern and Western, Christian and not, have come together on one point. If there's a formula for a happy life, it's quite simple. Inhabit the moment. Each moment is full of goodness. What are we in such a hurry to rush off to the next one? There's so much to see, to enjoy, to gratefully receive, and to celebrate, and to share. Okay, friends, if Dallas Willard is right, that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day, then I agree with him that we must work to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. Or as Annie Dillard, the Pulitzer-prized author, once put it, she says, go at your life with a broad axe. (laughs) I love that picture. Because slowing down is essential if we're going to love well, if we're going to actually live out of our identity and and calling and not just say, you know, part of the problem is if you do not live out of an identity of being loved by God and you're actually going to all these other places, what the cycle is is just you'll start saying yes to all kinds of things you shouldn't be saying yes to because you're trying to please people and not God. People are a far worse taskmaster than God is. You, you surrender your life to God, folks. Uh, like, it's, it's freedom. Like, it's, it's a, actually, you know, that's, he says you lose your life, but you gain your life. What? Jesus said, I, I've come to set people free. I've come that you might have life and life to the full. And frankly, I don't think we believe him very much. But if we are not rooted in our identity of a relationship with him, we'll find ourselves saying yes to all kinds of things because we're trying to get the kind of affirmation and approval that we're looking for in life. And if we don't uh, tackle hurry in our life, we won't be able to grow relationships. And if we're going to be present to God and have a relationship with him, it just doesn't happen with a hurry lifestyle. So where do we start? I want to propose the, the solution to uh, an unhurried life is to simplify our lives around what really matters. It's not like you quit everything. <laughs> it's just you like prioritize the things that matter most, right? 
Some of you need to be in a life group and you need to quit something else, like uh, sincerely. It's not like I'm saying, oh, it's a church thing. Say yes to everything at church. Uh, we, we actually were pretty clear last week that we think there's about five things that, that every hillsider we'd love to see you be a part of. It's not 20 things, though. It's like five things. Take a look at our discipleship pathway, and, and it'll unpack that on the last stage. Those five rhythms. But to help us that, uh, with that, there, there are practices or spiritual disciplines that help specifically target hurry sickness. These are, as, as John Mark Cormor calls them, ancient, time-tested practices that reorientate us to life and help us slow down. And then this fall in our life groups, we'll be diving into one of these practices. It's the practice of taking a weekly day of rest or Sabbath and keeping it, as we've often called it. As we said last week, we're using the practicing the way material, the Jesus, this Jesus-oriented curriculum, and it's so good. And while it's got great content, scripture content, it emphasizes you actually going and living it, empowering you and equipping you to actually live that lifestyle. So this fall in our life groups, we'll be diving into one of these practices. We'll be diving into this practice of, of Sabbath. Um, by the way, some of you might think, I, I don't need to learn any more about Sabbath. Uh, I, I didn't even think Sabbath was for Christians. Isn't that an Old Testament kind of thing? Actually, John Mark Comer explains and unpacks that really well. Um, it doesn't matter what we call it. You need a lifestyle of, and a rhythm of rest. But you might be thinking, this doesn't apply to me. I know all I need to know. I've been practicing Sabbath for many, many years. What I love about the practicing the way material is they've got great steps for people who, it's a new concept. You have never done this before in your life. But then they also offer great steps for people who are actually quite experienced in these practices. And they give you kind of reach goals for you to step towards. I think it's so, so good. I have been practicing some form of Sabbath for about 20 years, and i got to tell you this, I know that I still have room to grow in parts of how I practice my weekly day of rest. For now, let me come back to this invitation that we started with from Jesus. Would you do me a favor, close your eyes again. I want, to hear this, I want you to hear this as if it's coming from him directly to you. Come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, and hurried, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me. I will give you rest. Jesus, uh, this morning we just want to acknowledge that it's only in you and through you that there's hope for our weary, burdened, hurried souls. And as we think about unhurrying ourselves, especially in September where it seems like things just got sped up some, it's going to feel a little bit like we're swimming upstream and going against the grain, going against our culture, and, uh, Father, I pray uh, as we think about how we might um, find a more sustainable, a more Jesus-oriented pace, uh, would you give us patience even with that journey? It takes some time to, to turn the ship. Help us together, we pray, as a community, 
as we step into learning even next Sunday about this practice of Sabbath. Uh, I pray we would not feel like this is a religious obligation, but Jesus, would you help us uh, hear from you the invitations to do life differently, to align our lives and our pace of life to yours, and uh, and Jesus, to, to take you at your word that you know best. And I pray this morning for those who, who would confess like the people did in Jeremiah, um, I'm addicted to alien gods, I can't quit. And the idea of slowing down feels like um, an impossibility. I pray you'd break into our realities and give us faith to follow you. And you'd bring freedom. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.